previously on The Avatar Returns. Can I wake up in 16-year-old AJ Wiley's body? Because I, I could do, I could do some shit. If I was woke up and I was in someone else's 16-year-old life for a week, well, in that case, I would do everything I could to ruin his life. You like stay in school, do more drugs. That's my that's my message to all the kids listening at home. <laughs> Destroy your body while you have the chance. The, those 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 little um, appa buns, as he called them, are the midi chlorians of the show. There is a good possibility that next week is going to be Eric complains a lot about the daily. Something such a, a finger in the booty ass bitch. By the way, I got called out on Twitter today for getting shit wrong all the time. I want Paul to be wrong this time. When so do I, I. I don't want to be the wrong one this week. Be wrong, Paul. Be wrong. Hello and welcome to the Avatar Returns. I'm Paul. I'm Eric. And I'm AJ. And each week we discuss two to four episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra. Uh, this week we draw ever nearer to the end of Avatar Book 2. We've got, uh, we're back to three chapters this week, chapters 216 through 218. That's Appa's Lost Days, Lake Laogai, and The Earth King. Eric and I have seen both these series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar. That means there will be spoilers, but only up to the point that we're discussing tonight. Uh, but before we get to the show, um, since I enjoy these little banter moments that we have, gentlemen, I uh, just wanted to talk. Uh, last week we bantered a little bit about some animated stuff, so I thought we would uh, discuss another animated thing. Uh, the new trailer for Kubo and the Two Strings just dropped this week. Um, that's the next film from uh, Laika Studios, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, and uh, I, I was surprised that neither one of you had seen the trailer before tonight, but I made you watch it. So let's uh, let's talk about it. What do you guys think? It looks great. It looks really, really cool. I'm a fan of Laika to begin with. Um, I loved Coraline and Paranorman. I like the box trolls. Um, and this looks really neat. And I think uh, just judging from the trailer, like if you're a fan of Avatar, I mean, yeah. it might be a little up your alley. Yeah, it looked. It looks like a, like a. It was very well well chosen, Paul, because I think it it fits in uh, very nicely with the the tone we're in, at least from the trailer. But uh, it looks cool. It looks like a really neat mixing of things. I I am always in magical musical instruments, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally there for whatever magic this musical instrument seems to have. It seems to. I don't really understand the power in the from the trailer. It looks like it creates it plays, origami. It's- its power is that it plays a beautiful version of while my guitar gently weeps a, a, a version of a Beatles song so good I like the Beatles song <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> oh uh, way to way to kick off the show <laughs> there we go I'm just getting I'm getting this fight started early no it was it, it looks great I'm really I'm really excited about it it's it's cool I think we I think we can use animated movies that aren't obviously from like Disney or DreamWorks even yeah. though I like many of those yeah. um, and this is this definitely has its own thing and it def, it looks I did not see the box trolls, and I don't know if I will see the box trolls. It just kind of like a movie that I would like forget having seen as soon as I saw it. Um, but this That's one, fair. I'm, def- I'm definitely in for this. Um, I, I did I see think... box trolls, box trolls, and uh, I, I kind of I mirror AJ's assessment. I loved Coraline, I loved uh, Paranorman, and I liked the box trolls. <laughs> it was yeah, right. it's it's fine, yeah. it's fine. Um, I, I think 
the way I can sell Kubo and the two strings to any sentient human being is Charlize Theron voices a monkey, yeah, and Matthew McConaughey talks about his lack of eyelids. That was the most Matthew McConaughey. That was a perfect Matthew McConaughey moment at the end of that trailer. Oh, that was Matthew McConaughey. Yes, it was. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm not even sure I can blink. Do I have eyelids? Oh, my God. <laughs> if only he'd been riding in a Lincoln or whatever fucking car he sells. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's beautiful. It looks beautiful. So I can't wait for that. Um, August 19th. I guess I have to wait. Damn it. Bastard showing us this stuff so really early. Cool moment in the trailer where someone strums the guitar and like the C parts. Yeah. It's, yeah, that was pretty really rad. Yeah. It looks super cool. Speaking of super cool. Me? Are you going to talk about me now? Um, sh would it make you feel better if I said yes? Mm, yes. Uh, no, I wasn't going to talk about you at oh. all. No, we were going to talk about uh, tonight's episodes. Um, so let's move into episode 216, Appa's Lost Days. This, um... You're the newbie, so I'm going to have you comment first, AJ, but uh, I just want to say this. I've been dreading this episode. That's <laughs> a break from tradition, throwing to AJ first for an episode. I, I know. I, right? I, like, I like how you're shaking up the format today, Paul. I, I know. I know. I want to keep you guys on your toes, but... Um, um, I'm not sure how to take that, that you've been dreading this episode, because I really loved this episode. It's a great episode, but it's it's difficult for me to watch. So that, That's understandable. I thought it was great. Um, part of me wanted them to go like full like experimental like follow like the the precedent set by the Momo segment of Tales of Bossing saying just have it be like totally silent like from his POV but I didn't really expect that to happen but I loved it I loved getting to find out what happened to Appa uh, during his lost days I loved getting to follow his journey and seeing uh, you know Suki and the Kyoshi Warriors and all of that I, I really loved that episode awesome I I, I was watching it and I, I felt like I could hear Paul crying. From <laughs> you pro you probably could. You probably could. It, it, this is this is one of my favorite episodes. It's really emotionally brutal at moments. It is, but it's it's a really it's 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 not only good in an emotional way, which is I think the obvious way that it's good, but I find it fascinating how it connects up threads of things we've been seeing through the episodes and also sets up things for the episodes coming up after it. It was. It's a very deftly written episode, um, purely from like a plot structural standpoint, and yet still manages to be a, a very like gut punchy sort of episode. As Appa basically goes through hell for like twenty five minutes. Yeah, I, I think I read in the trivia section that this was um, that this episode is the single single longest span of time covered in a, in one episode. I think they said because this covers four weeks. So in oh. the in showtime, it's been four weeks since Appa was abducted, and basically we get to watch what happens over those four weeks. Um, but it's pretty amazing how it ties into. Um, so we meet Suki and the Kyoshi Warriors, presumably right after they have left um, from the Serpent's Pass, the episode "The Serpent's Pass," when they um, when Suki helped them get across, uh, and then uh, Azula. May and Ty Lee show up and uh, you have to assume that that comes right after they were defeated in uh, the drill, the episode, the drill. So it's just interesting to watch the the timeline and try and imagine. And they show visual cues too. Like they, at one point we sort of see that Appa and, 
Aang perhaps are sharing the same dream because it shows Aang um, waking up actually on the Serpent's Pass. So I, I don't know. It's it's fascinating to see the moments in time that have occurred throughout the series and how they fit these events. So That was a really sad moment, by the way. Appa that, that and dream? Aang sharing the same dream. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was rough. You know, you know, one of the things I think is really successful about this episode and is that Appa, it'd be really easy to anthropomorphize Appa to the point where his reactions are just sort of the same as a human character. But I like that, you know, you think, oh, well, he should recognize Suki. He's met, he's met her before. But no, he's an animal. Like he's, you know, he's a very intelligent animal. But Aang is the one he recognizes and maybe, maybe Katara and Sokka he'd recognize. But it, he's not trusting after everything he's gone through when the Kyoshi warriors show up. There's maybe enough familiarity that he calms down a little bit, but he reacts as a frightened animal would in that circumstance, not as we would want like a human character to act. And that's not easy writing to remember to do in a show. And I give them a lot of credit for that kind of uh, thing. That was a fantastic moment because you're right. It showed Appa behaving as a as a wounded, uh, harried, uh, trapped animal would in that circumstance. Uh, it also gave a great moment for Suki to show how, you know, she approached She understood that he was going to be nervous and that he was injured and, and everybody needs to, you know, stay low, be quiet, be calm or whatever. I just love the way she dealt with him. And it all, we also got the how to train your dragon moment in that, even though this predates how to train your dragon. Um, but yeah, we got that moment where she like reaches her hand out to him and he like puts his nose in her hand. Yeah, I guess I guess very very astute animal handling is one of the things you learn when you become a Kyoshi warrior. Perhaps. Yeah. By the way, I just want to point out I think that this is only going to play for Paul and maybe some of the people who listen to our Bone episodes on uh, Gobbledygeek. But when I I blanked on Kyoshi warrior and I was I was I was typing my notes and I was like Suki and the and the first thing that occurred to me was Suki and the Vinayan. <laughs> I I almost typed that. It uh, took me a second. I think I, I I think I even had to Google it. Like, what, what are they? Again? What an interesting crossover that would be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kyoshi Warriors versus the Disciples of Venu. <laughs> uh, this episode actually won a an award. It won a Humane Society Genesis Award. Well, that's uh, cool for its depiction of animal cruelty and uh, specifically for the like the circus segment, which was. Uh, one of the difficult moments of the episode to watch. Um, yeah, so. they they were. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's you know anyone involved in the circus like like that is is kind of like a dick. Like to to do that to animals, right? Like is horrible. And then you have this ringleader who is like, he has a line where he's like, "This is the circus, home of fear and danger." Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure it is. It's not home of, you know, people pay, pay five bucks to watch animals fly through flaming hoops. Yeah. Uh, apparently this was the same cir circus that uh, Ty Lee was a member of. Interesting. Uh, that makes sense because I noticed they were firebenders. Right. So Appa was the, uh, I guess he was a replacement for Ty Lee since she left the circus. Here's a question for you guys. I did not look this up, so I don't know. But... There's a moment. So Abba makes friends with a kid in uh, in the circus, um, and there's a moment where it cuts between the kid laughing and then Abba. That makes Abba think of Aang laughing. Um, 
was uh, was the kid voiced by the same actor who does the voice of Aang? Because they sounded pretty similar, but I, I didn't look it up. <clears throat> Let's find out. I did not look that up either. Um, talk amongst yourselves. I'll figure out who that, <laughs> who that kid was. Okay. Uh, what is the name of the actor who voices Aang? Again, by the way, I'm, I'm terrible with uh, with names on this show. I actually don't know because I it's, I've never really heard anything else. Zach Tyler. He's, Zach Tyler Zach, Eisen. That's a okay. That's, that's right. That, that is that's quite a name. <laughs> That is like that is a super white name. A super white name. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't, uh, apparently, the kid didn't get a name, so I don't know. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to figure that. Figure well, here out. we can look. We can look and see if if Zach Tyler Eisen did. What is this? That Appa's lost days. Let's see here. Um, I can't believe we're doing this. Um, yeah, he <laughs> you know, he is Ang and additional voices in this episode. So he probably covered the laugh at least. So he is listed as additional voices. So there we go, AJ. Your your mystery has been completely unsolved. You're welcome. <laughs> I I choose to believe I'm right on this. One because I got to be right about something one day. Uh, two because I think that would be a great little bit of like casting there. It's, there's a pretty good chance that that's the case because I'm looking at the other other people and there doesn't appear to be like another kid mm-hmm. or in this. So. Yeah. Um, I I think you're you're very likely um, correctish. We'll say <laughs> correctish. <laughs> I really love the connection between Appa and Aang. I mean, obviously, I've loved it since the beginning of the show, but especially the way it's explored in this episode. We get that flashback mm-hmm. to um, Aang in the uh, the Air Temple, uh, and you have the woman saying, "Choose well. A sky bison is a companion for life." And we see Aang with baby Appa, who is still pretty big. Uh, and he's like, I guess this means we'll always be together. And it's, it's just, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's very touching. And I have to say, um, I, I have been really, in, uh, so, okay. I think we all agree that the beginning of this season was not, not necessarily up to par with the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at a certain point, it really picked up momentum. Uh, and I've actually, I've honestly have been really enjoying the second season, uh, maybe more than the first season at this point. But one of the weaknesses for this season for me has been I've been much less interested in Aang than I was in the first season and certainly much less interested in him than I am in, you know, Zuko, Iroh, Azula, most of the supporting characters. So the the like most of what I've uh, hooked into with Aang this season has been his relationship with Appa. So I don't know if you guys are feeling the same way. Like I just I, I don't know. His story this season is not as interesting to me as a lot of the other pieces of the show. But this relationship between him and Appa is still really great. I I agree with you, AJ. I'm I think actually this is I think Ang's plotline from front to back this season is not the strongest of his, of either his arcs or of actually most of the characters' arcs in the show. Um, and I and we'll talk a little more about that in this in the season finale, which I think um, sort of wraps up some of my like ang concerns this season. But some I, of your I ang angst. I have some angst. It's true. <laughs> um, but I know I agree. I think that, his, that him and Appa's relationship really works, and it actually, when you think about it, that is his only character driving force in the back half of the season. He didn't have any in the first half, and then when Ang right. gets when Appa, when sorry when Appa gets taken. 
the only thing he's doing in the back half of the season is pushing the group to get further on so he can find Appa. Like, Sokka has this grand plan of getting the Earth King to buy into stopping the Fire Nation during the Eclipse, but Aang really isn't buying into anything except for finding Appa. That's pretty much his only character driving force, which is good because we care about the Appa thing, but I think it does point to the fact that Aang is kind of plotless this year. Yeah, it's it's weird. He is ostensibly the protagonist of the show, and I, I just have not been... Like, almost every other character is more interesting than he is this season. I, I, <clears throat> I wonder how much of that is intentional and how much of it is just um, happenstance. I mean, this season introduced a major new character. We, I mean, we got actually two. We got Azula um, and Toph. And so in the first season... I mean, we were still like getting to know Aang, so it was still a discovery process. And this season, um, there's there are two new characters that have been introduced. Um, plus, Zuko and Iroh get a, I think, a better fleshed out story. Um, so yeah, I think there's just more stuff maybe to distract from Aang. So I don't know if, I, I don't know if his story is actually weaker or if it just seems that way. I am. I can't quite tell. It, it's difficult for me since I've watched the series. I've watched it all the way through multiple times. And so, uh, you know, I kind of have this character fully formed in my head the way he is through the entire series. So it's hard for me to tell looking at, at this point in season two. I, I think that the, the better plots for the side characters exacerbate a problem that happens in a lot of shows where the main character is the least interesting character on the show. I would agree with that. I would agree. With and, that. and I think that Aang is a, Aang is a very likable character, but when you really get down to it, he's not a particularly interesting character beyond a couple of like important plot arcs through the series. And in, in the first season, he had dealing with the death of the Air Nation to deal with, but everything post that, there really isn't anything for him to do because now he's just sort of treading water and learning powers so mm -hmm. that he can fight Sozai. And we will get more stuff, I think, for him in the future, but this season especially has him in very default destined hero mode, which means that he can't do anything. He can't go off the rails. He has to follow the plot. And meanwhile, Zuko and Katara and Sokka and Toph can all do really interesting things because they're not bound to the plot in that same way. And I, I think that's what we're really seeing happen this season is that it sort of exacerbated that common problem in shows like this. Um, yeah, I mean, that all makes sense. I buy that. I've, I've often commented on sometimes complained sometimes celebrated the fact that the the title the titular character of most shows is quite often not the one that i care the most about but um let's see so who did we care about besides appa who did we care about most in this episode i i would i would have to say suki i really loved the way i yeah. really loved suki in this episode I love Suki. I think she's great. I was really glad to see her again. And, you know, that moment where she's fighting Azula and she, you know, tells Appa to just, you know, go mm -hmm. was that was that was something, man. That was an emotional moment. I mean, she's she is, I think, most directly responsible for Appa actually surviving. Yeah. His predicament. I completely agree. You, you know, my um, favorite moment of this episode is, is the moment when Appa falls asleep in the barn and the and the like farmers come out to like and they freak out when they see him and he freaks out at the fire. Mm -hmm. It's just a great moment like cuz they're not being bad to him. Right. Uh, but but they, you know, he's a giant creature they've never seen before in their barn and he's terrified of fire and his afraid reaction makes them more afraid. 
And I just I think it's a, just a wonderful little moment where no one's being evil. No, one, it's like it's yeah. just a misunderstanding in that moment based on where they've come from. And I, I kind of like moments like that in series. I think that was a really wonderful bit. Yeah. In my notes, I I uh, wrote a list of the the uh, opponents, the the obstacles that Appa faced. I had sandbenders, uh, beetle headed merchants, which is what they called those guys. Uh, cruel circus trainer. A boar cupine, which I think is an amazing name. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. And Frightened Farmers was one of them. So. That boar cupine fight was great. It by was the way. great. It was, uh, it, it was, again, a little bit of a Miyazaki thing there. A giant boar, and then when the camera pans back to a, a, a wide shot of the forest, and you just see the dust cloud as Appa has thrown him through the trees. Yeah. Hey, so we meet a new character this episode. Uh, Guru Pathik. Patik. Patik. Jesus. Uh, okay, so we had this running joke where I try to spell names. Uh-huh. His name, I, I had to look up because I couldn't even get like get uh, close enough to even be able to try and spell it. So I'm just going by like the spelling. Yes. So I may not have misspelled it, but I sure as hell mispronounced it. You, w- if, <laughs> you would have misspelled it because you wouldn't have put that H in there. I would not have. I would have been like Guru Patik. Let's see. It would have been at best P A T I K. At worst, I think I would have thrown a Q on the end instead of the K. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad that we missed that opportunity. <laughs> but um, I would uh, have gotten the Guru part right. Yeah, uh, he's cool. I like him a lot too. Yeah. Um, it was actually nice to get a, a, a couple of nice characters for Appa at the end. It was such, it's such a trial that he goes through when he does get captured at the end that having that bit with the guru especially was nice for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so one of the reasons why this episode is so moving for me, I mean, you guys obviously expected me to have this reaction, but when you think about, uh, well, AJ, you talked about the flashback to, uh, to it's the Eastern Air Temple. And in when I was researching this in the, uh, the Avatar of the Book of the Animated Series, they were talking about uh, designs for this episode, and they mentioned that in their original concept, the uh, northern and southern air temples were, uh, were run by the monks. And um, we've seen the northern and the southern air temple already. The southern air temple is where Aang is actually from. And then they had... Cons- they had planned for the Eastern and Western air temples to be run by nuns, which is why um, the person introducing all the kids to the air bison was a, was a woman. Um, We haven't seen the Western air temple yet, but um, I just thought that was interesting detail. But uh, when you consider like that flashback and then the fact that um, Appa, when, when uh, Suki sends him away, he, he goes to basically the only place he knows, he goes home, he goes back to the Eastern Air Temple, and you get even more flashbacks of what his life was like as a as a calf, I guess is what you call a young air bison. Um, the, just imagine that he has lived his entire life, you know, in the, uh, in the comfortable setting, the comfortable environment of uh, the Air Temples. He's been, you know, a pampered companion. Uh, th- this is the first time he's ever probably this is the first time he's ever had to uh, fend for himself and certainly, you know, fight off porcupines or whatever. So I don't, I don't know. I really, when I get into the empathy of where his head must be at, uh, it really affects me. 
I hadn't really thought of that, of Appa as being this sort of pampered companion who now has to fend for himself for the first time. But yeah, that definitely adds another layer to it. And Patik is a great character. I love the, the extended sequence where he tries to earn Appa's trust by laying on the floor. Yeah. And every time he tries to move, Appa growls, so he just lays back down. Yeah, this this really is, I think, one of my favorite episodes so far. Cool. Um, so ver another callback we haven't mentioned is uh, when Appa finally makes his way to Ba Sing Se, and uh, he, he flies down into the city. We see the pygmy pumas on a rooftop watching him fly down into that alley. And yeah, I like that little bit. That was cool. And we see him put his foot in the, in the muddy street, which... Uh, that explains yeah. how in Tales of Ba Sing Se, the, the uh, pygmy pumas knew where to take uh, Momo. Before the asshole Long Fang shows up yeah. to ruin everything. I think this episode also, uh, it made me identify with Azula in an uncomfortable way. <laughs> um, so when the Kyoshi warriors are, you know, they get in attack position they take out their fans. I, I knew, I knew this was and coming. And Azula knew. says, "You're so Azula predictable." Says, <laughs> Azula says, "Who are you? The Avatar's fangirls?" <laughs> I heard that line, and I felt as though she and I were kindred spirits. I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> you chose literally the least likable thing about Azula to bond to. <laughs> I I know, Eric. I know. Look. I, I didn't choose to be this way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm man. sorry for where destiny has led you. I knew, I knew that was coming. The moment that happened, I was like, oh, AJ's going to mention this. <laughs> AJ, the, AJ just pumped his fist as he watched that. I know he did. <laughs> um, one last thing I want to mention about this episode is uh, you, AJ, at the very top, you were talking about how you – kind of wished that maybe that they would have followed the the Momo pattern where uh, yeah. the entire episode was silent or whatever. Obviously, I, I won't say they couldn't have done that, but it certainly would have been uh, a much different episode if they had. But I did notice something on this watch. Um, there are a few moments in the episode where we clearly cut to Appa's viewpoint. It's got yes. the same sort of distorted animation as we see when we're looking through Momo's eyes. However, in those scenes, uh, when we're looking through Momo's eyes, of course, we get the, the gibberish speech because he can't understand people. When we're looking through Appa's eyes, they don't do that. People are still talking normally. So I wonder if that's saying that, that Appa is able to understand human speech. That's. I'm glad you mentioned this because I actually made a note of that myself. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's the implication there. I mean, I feel like it would kind of have to be, right? Because we've clearly seen in a couple different episodes when we go to Momo's POV, it's all gibberish. Yeah. So I have to assume Appa, and this is not a diss toward Momo, but Appa is a more intelligent creature. I mean, his brain is ten times the size of Momo's <laughs> entire body, so... <laughs> Anyways... That had never occurred to me before, but um, all right. Uh, shall we move on to uh, Lake Lao Guy? I think so. All right, AJ, take it away. Honestly, this I thought this was another fantastic episode. This to me is kind of everything I want from Avatar. I mean, it had uh, some great character moments. It had great action. 
Uh, it was just, it really, you know, you get the epic adventure feel from this episode. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I loved it. Uh, again, for, we're two for two so far. <laughs> awesome. Eric? Yeah, this is, this is a fantastic episode with some, some really wonderful action and um, uh, just a phenomenal Zuko Iroh arc yes. in the background. Just mm-hmm. really one of the best. Um, that the scene where where Iroh like just loses it on Zuko, yes, is just one of the best scenes of the show. Yeah, I got chills. I got. And chills. that scene, more than any so far, has made me realize like how difficult it's going to be in the third season without Mako voicing that character, mm-hmm. because he is so he does such a, a beautiful job. I, I haven't looked this up to to double check, so if one of you wants to, I, I think. I think in this episode, it was still Mako. Yeah, I think he's Mako to the end of the season. Oh, is he? Because I feel, I felt like in the next one, uh, there were a couple lines where it sounded slightly different, and I wondered if we It could have been like in uh, Tales of Bossing, say, where I, I, sorry, I can't remember his name, but the actor who replaces Mako went in and did like an extra line. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could have been something like that, but no, I'm pretty positive Mako finishes out the season. He, He is listed as the voice through the guru which is the last episode of the season but okay. yeah i was gonna i think aj probably is is right that there any kind of like post dialogue they needed to do would have had to have been probably not not mako so that, that you might be catching some of that yeah if, all right if, if and this is uh not really related to avatar but just a quick thing uh mako also voiced uh splinter in right. the animated tmnt movie and apparently greg baldwin also uh, covered for him after uh, he passed away for that. Wow. Tough job. Yeah. 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 Real. Jesus. Um, all right. So let's see. Um, the, we got some hu- after after a fairly somber, uh, not not very lighthearted episode. We do get some humor back in this one. Um, we get to see Sokka the artiste, which. Uh, was great. <laughs> I loved, I, I loved the, the uh, posters, the missing posters that Sokka was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, gave us an opportunity for another, for Toph to make another blind joke at Sokka's expense, which is always good. Yeah. Um, this episode also revealed that Toph really is Daredevil. She yeah. Can, she can tell whether or not someone's lying by listening to their heartbeat. Yes. And, you know, I wrote in my notes, I, I said, this is an, another example of how difficult it is for me sometimes to track things, knowing, having watched the whole series so many times. I, in my notes, I was like, is this really the first time that we learn Toph can tell if someone was lying? I, I, I felt like that had come up in a previous episode, but everything I've read, like everybody's comments or whatever, they all say, this is the episode where we learned that. So... Totally, uh, is. Totally, yeah. is. totally is. I had forgot. Actually, I had forgotten about that power. That was uh, an, a, a use of her hearing that I had um, her vibrational sense that I had actually forgotten. But it comes and they, and they obviously I mean, let's be clear. They made it up because they didn't know how to play out the jet plot without it. <laughs> sure. Because because sure. without her ability to sense lying things, you you don't get them trusting him enough to listen in the first place. And then you right. have a much longer conversation but before Sokka realizes that he's been brainwashed because right. her power is a, is an amazing narrative shortcut to that moment. 
which it is. It makes it's so much so that it almost feels kind of cheap that we didn't that we learn about this beforehand. But I think I was just so impressed with the the shameless daredevil ripping that <laughs> I was I, I was fine with it. I, I will Tough. I will I will bet you there was a thirty five or forty page script for this episode. And they were like, we just can't figure out how to shorten this down. And someone was like, let's just go full Daredevil. And they yeah. were like, all right, there goes 15 <laughs> pages. We're in good shape now. <laughs> Toph basically is like um, sardonic teenage girl Daredevil, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the scene of her trying to stick up for herself and uh, say, what, you think I can't hang a poster? It's it's upside down, isn't it? I'll, <laughs> I'll just go with Sokka. <laughs> Um, we, we get the, um, the final, the final use of the blue spirit. And yes. So bittersweet in my notes. Yeah. I, I, in all caps, I'm like, the blue spirit is back. And then my last note is, and the blue spirit is gone. <laughs> Was there, did we, I can't remember last season. Did we get like an implication that Iroh knew Zuko was the blue spirit? I feel like we got something like that, but I couldn't remember if it was Iroh or not. It, w- it was Iroh. I don't remember the context, but I do remember that there there was a moment where I think maybe it's when Zhao was confronting him about like the dual swords. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, um, there was something about Iroh in the background. You just had the sense that he he knew what was going on. Yeah, so he I was love totally that, covering for him, yeah. Yeah, so I love that there was no more beating around the bush in this episode. He just, he, it shows that Iroh always has, he's always one step ahead of his nephew. Mm-hmm. Like, as clever as, as Zuko thinks he is, Iroh is always more clever. And, you know, he, not only did he know that he was the Blue Spirit, he was tracking him directly to Appa. And as we've already mentioned, that scene where he confronts him, you know, telling him that he never thinks things through, he can choose his own destiny. I mean, it was, that is such a, a really, really beautiful scene. I was getting uh, chills watching it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's like the most confrontational, I think, Iroh's ever been with Zuko. Like that's the I I feel like that's the the uh, the angriest or whatever like the most um yeah I mean the most aggressive the most confrontational I feel like he's ever he he's always truth telling to Zuko but that was a pretty powerful moment he goes full and out he, there's no there's no like Iro misdirection in that scene it is just he's having a straight conversation with him yeah. And let's be honest, this is some pretty deep shit for a Nickelodeon series to get into. I mean, this is a Nickelodeon cartoon with the line, uh, is it your own destiny or is it a destiny or is it a destiny someone else has tried to force on you? I mean, that's that's those are some pretty big questions. That's a pretty big conundrum for Mm -hmm. a a kid's show. Uh, This is a kid's show that uh, killed off a. I'll say a major, but you know, a supporting character killed off a character on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although there is controversy that goes with this. I, I never thought that this was ambiguous. I never felt like there was any question that, but that that was Jet's death scene that we saw. I mean, I think it's ambiguous only in that they probably could not show a dead body. Right. on, On Nickelodeon. So they had to, but I mean, it's pretty clear when, uh, uh, Jet says, "Don't worry, Katara. I'll be fine." And Toph just goes, "He's lying." He's lying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that was a powerful moment, but apparently it was ambiguous enough that I, I guess the 
the fan community at the time there was argument back and forth. There were people didn't believe he was dead. Others did. And so the creators at, at Comic-Con actually had to come in and say, he guys, he's dead. We always meant for that to be him dying. So yes, he, he's dead. And, and it does, it all, it all pays off to be the one truly great jet story in the series. <laughs> I, I know this is like making, this is continuing the myth that I hate jet, which I do not hate jet, but you know, he, he's a frustrating character by design, but also maybe a little more frustrating than they mean him to be, um, through a lot of his, his normal appearances, but he actually has a really good arc in this episode. Not mm-hmm. just, not just the, the way it pays off in his death, which is really painful, but Everything about him trying to like figure out what happened to him and his confusion over where he'd been that all plays really, really great in this episode. I mean, it's the character has kind of been brainwashed the whole time. Uh, I mean, we get we get a flashback of when his village was destroyed and his family was killed. And by the way, it was the rough rhinos that did it. We get to see that the the people that burned his village were the rough rhinos. Um. Did that, did that feel like a arc they intended to play out at some point and maybe, just never had the time? Maybe, maybe. I don't. I, it felt like more than just someone like, hey, let's uh, let's just draw the rough rhinos in here. It, it did feel like maybe there was meant to be more, but because we never see the rough rhinos again in the show, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think, think this so. is. Yeah. I think this is it. So there's just no reason whatsoever yeah. for it to be the rough rhinos, except that they were like, we have to get something across, so let's just pull that character. Out. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, so when we see him. Uh, so in the last episode, uh, or not the last episode, but when we saw him being captured uh, and, and they started the brainwashing, the Dai Li started brainwashing him, um, now we see him and he's acting perfectly normal and he seems happy, he seems well-adjusted, he, he, I don't know, he seems like the kind of person that perhaps he always could have been if he hadn't allowed himself to be, you know, brainwashed by his anger. Um so, yeah, it's just an interesting arc for this character. I I have always felt that Jet, even when he was obnoxious, I've always felt that Jet, Jet is kind of a tragic character. So his end here was was bittersweet, I suppose, for me. It's yeah. it's it's great because it's really unfair. Like it wasn't like there was some grand arc of his leading to this point. He just kind of gets screwed. Yeah. And and it's it's really tough, and I I like that, and it's that's actually a pretty bold move for a children's series. More than just killing a character, killing a character in this way, where they basically just like he was trying to out Zuko and Iroh, and it got him caught by the Dai Li, and that just led him to this. Like nothing about what happened to him was fair. And yeah, it's, it's it's rough. He could have gotten a kiss from Sokka though. He 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 almost went out with a a kiss from Sokka. He could have. And and it would have been quite a kiss because I think Sokka would have really planned that out. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Sokka flirts with every other guest star, guest character on the show. I don't know why there was no magic between him and Jet, but because <laughs> Jet's awful, he's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Lake Lao Guy facility. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the the horror film aspect of Avatar with the uh, with the Stepford Judies. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Judy, by the way, like Judy one, the actual Judy that we know who Is gets she sent the back. Actual Judy? Well, our actual Judy from our point of view, the first Judy that we met. Yeah. Um, who gets tossed back in at them. Which is the most lose scenario you could possibly do. There's no winning for her, and she just completely loses her shit after that. 
and I feel very bad for her at that point. I, it was that was a very uh, a very ignominious end to poor Judy to just be like I can't do this anymore, and then whatever he did, he brain controlled her and sent her off to wherever. So poor Judy. And what really sucks is she gets it because the Avatar gang, the Aang gang, are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But we get that beautiful moment of... Uh, okay, so in uh, in the end of the desert, we got to see Aang get all, like, Sith Lord. We saw him go super angry, like he was about to start killing people. And it was a little bit scary. Here we get uh, funny... Uh, good times, angry, red-faced Aang. <laughs> and I loved it. Um, I loved the exaggerated animation and the pulsing vein in his forehead. And and Toph responding to it all by saying, let's break some rules yeah, and let's knock break down some a rules. wall <laughs> yeah. for no reason. <laughs> I love Toph. Um, the uh, fight choreography, I feel like basically anytime there is significant uh, fight choreography, I have to comment on how amazing it was. I'm a I'm a sucker for team action, for like team fight sequences, especially when it's a mixed team. And so in this case, we had the Ang Gang and the Freedom Fighters who were, you know, a, a tenuous friendship at best. Um, but I loved that fight sequence. I loved watching, you know, I, I just love mixed teams when they stick up for each other in the middle of a fight. Yeah, totally. This was, this was like a, this was one of their better fights and it, and, as a team yeah. fight too. I mean, it, I have to say that the standout of it, it's hard for me to remember many specific details that aren't Toph because <laughs> Toph owns this entire fight scene, but there are some great moments of like people blocking those like stone gloves, right. either with, with arrows or jet blocking. them. there's like that initial part of the battle with the daily flinging stone gloves around with everyone jumping in front of each other is just freaking incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, Jet jumps through the air and uh, saves Toph before the Dai Li can grab her. And I, I also, the moment I remember was uh, when Jet like slid across the floor and used his hooked sword to sweep that guy's legs out from under him. That was great. That was badass. Also, the Dai Li just hanging from the the roof of the cave or whatever. That was creepy. Those guys are creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not... I'm not a fan of them. <laughs> I know. I, I'm I'm trying to set you up for that. I guess maybe we can talk I'm, more about them in the next episode. But... Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this in the next episode. <laughs> I, I think actually a lot of my comments about the Dai Li will probably come out in the next two episodes. Like, not these two episodes, but like the finish of the season. Okay. But I'll, I, I'm sure I'll talk a little bit about, about their them and their dickbaggery overall. <laughs> dickbaggery. Uh. Um, all right. So, of course, the this episode ends with the... Uh, uh, the heartbreaking reunion of Appa and the gang. Um, you know, Aang's I missed you, buddy, is great, but I don't know why, but Sokka yelling, yeah, like when he sees Appa, I don't yeah. know why that just, that was the moment that kind of sliced through me. Yeah. I mean, they all run over there. Even Toph, I mean, she doesn't like jump on him, on him and give him a yeah. hug, but she goes over and she like, like puts her hands on his face or whatever. So it was, yeah, it was super sweet. Uh, it was bittersweet. We get the Appa is back with the gang. It was a, you know, a thrilling rescue. He gets to save them at the last minute. Um, and then, but we also bid farewell to the blue spirit. Yes. Unfortunately, I, we so, trade, we trade, we trade Appa for the blue spirit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't I know. You, I wish you wouldn't put it that way. But yes. I don't know. Maybe I would have kept the blue spirit. 
Oh, wow. ouch, you're a monster. You're a monster. <laughs> Paul is straight kicking you off of this That's part. right. I'm cutting you out now. Can we spare a moment to discuss uh, poor old Sweepy? <laughs> yes, good old Sweepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Must that, be nice to visit an island. I haven't had a vacation in years. <laughs> Shuffle poor. on, I get you. No more need for old Sweepy. Wait, are we... Are we feeling bad for this guy? He's a spy. <laughs> Do we know that, or was wait? He just... Is Sweepy's a spy? Well, he's part of the Dai Li. Katara, Katara theorizes that he was sent by the Dai Li to to distract or to you know lead them astray. There's no theorizing. This was the plan: was to get them off, going on some ridiculous journey that would get them out of the city. That yeah, guy but that doesn't totally... but that doesn't necessarily mean that that poor old guy is actually a member of the Dai Li. He might just be some fucking like, look. The, janitor that they said, hey, I go do choose, this. I choose to believe the best of Old Sweepy. Old so, Sweepy would never do that. Old so, Sweepy was a pawn in the Dai Li's game, if anything. So, so Long Feng's plan to get rid of Aang involves a well-brainwashed uh, mole who they can send into death robot mode. And some janitor, they fed some bad information and <laughs> hoped that he would give the information to Aang. We don't know I'm Old Sweepy's yes. history. He's a war hero. Old Sweepy is a war hero. He's a proven track record. Just wait till we get the Old Sweepy, the Young Sweepy Chronicles. You just wait. Old Sweepy 2016. You, this is you, you are the the most gullible people I've ever, <laughs> I've ever talked to in my life. I can't believe I can't believe I think... that after being told by Katara, who saw through it and realized he was totally a plant, that <laughs> that you are like that. Nah, she's She's full of shit. It was just, it was just some janitor they very carefully prepared. <laughs> I'm just I, saying, there's two sides to every story. <laughs> I refuse to give in to yours and Katara's cynicism, Eric. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. You wanna, you wanna make the Earth Kingdom great again? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, all right. Um, well, great who day. could, who better to make the Earth Kingdom great again than the Earth King? So let's move on to that, AJ. Okay, I'm interested to hear that Eric's problems with the Daily are mostly in the next two episodes, because while I did think this was a pretty great episode, not as great as the first two, it's the episode where the whole Daily thing kind of fell apart for me. They get found out really easily. They look like a bunch of fucking clowns. <laughs> um, and it's just, again, I mean, I, I know obviously at the end of the episode, the Daily is still loyal to Long Thing. But it just seems like it's it's it happens. I don't know. They look like a bunch of fucking idiots. Well, well okay. So uh, you would set the stage, Eric. You would set the stage last week uh, to let us know that uh, this week you were probably going to be bad mouthing the Daily. So I watched these episodes with that in mind because um, I don't remember. I don't necessarily like the Daily, but I don't remember thinking that they're like a major stumbling point of the series. Um, and watching these episodes, I was like, you know what? They're just, I mean, they're pawns. I don't think that the Dai Li are particularly any better or worse than any other, than, you know, the, just the faceless Fire Nation soldiers that we see from time to time. And uh, not to take up for the Dai Li, AJ, but I would say that they are they do look kind of buffoonish in this episode. They do get their asses handed to them easier than you would might expect very from... easily like what the fuck is up with her flying oh yeah yeah here, here's the thing uh we're gonna make this incredible line of badass secret police warriors let's give them flying gloves <laughs> there's they're it's stone they're earthbenders so they they're, 
their flying gloves are power. And actually, that's one of my problems. Is there well, the, the, so the Dai Li have have the power of plot. This is my problem with the Dai Li, <laughs> and this is this is actually a good example of where we are. Where the pre episode previous to this, they were like a a terrifying threat. There were there were like dozens of them. The Ang Gang can barely escape from. They've been escaping from the Fire Nation. They escaped from like Zhao's crazy army, and yet the Dai Li have trapped them to the point where only Appa can save them from the Dai Li. The next episode, Long Feng can't even lie his way out of the right. problem, and there's like five Dai Li agents there. By the way, where were the Dai Li agents stopping them from getting to the Earth King in the first place? There's like a bazillion Dai Li agents in the other one. Well, they but they flew to the palace. I mean, the Dai Li can't really do anything with a, against a flying bison. They flew to the palace, and then... Uh, they, you know, they had to fight the palace guard. I mean, the Dai Li aren't necessarily the palace guard. They're the secret police. So well, uh, they they lose their power in this episode because they're no longer secret. Like <laughs> you're, so you're, so you're Long Fang and you are hanging out in the Earth King's palace mm-hmm. and you keep three of your like seven dozen people around you. Uh, uh, okay. I don't know. I mean, it's, my, my point isn't that, that it doesn't make any sense at all. My, my problem is that the Dai Li are as, at exactly as powerful as the plot needs them to be. And that might mean right. them being played as buffoons in this episode. And in future episodes, and I could be wrong, we'll see where they go, but I remember the Dai Li being massively, obnoxiously, frustratingly overpowered in at least one of the next two episodes that we have coming up. And which is especially absurd after this episode where they where their gloves only work on Aang to the point where he keeps them on and he just breaks out of them for a second and puts them back yeah. on. Yeah. And I swear those gloves are like a like huge that. frustration later. I did like that moment, though, because that showed that Aang could very easily have escaped but was willing to do things the proper way. Mm-hmm. No, it's true, but I feel we'll, – again, we're going to have to see, but I feel like those Dai Li stone gloves are like a serious threat in later episodes in a way that they're not in this one. Well, what they are is they're – an. I mean, I get we're at the end of season two, so it's not really an early example, but it's – one of the earlier examples of the the writers trying to come up with uh, creative, uh, unusual applications for bending abilities, um, we were about to reach a point where we start seeing some even more uh, unique uses for various bending styles, and then that goes even crazier once we get to Korra. But um, I, I visually, I don't necessarily like them. They're never. It's interesting that the show never explains what's going on. Like, it, you know, younger kids watching this might think that these guys are actually shooting their hands. Like, they might think the Dai Li are robots or something. I don't know. But um, so it's interesting that the show makes no effort to really explain what they're doing. But I, I think they're, I think they're interesting. It's a creative use of the power. Um, I don't remember them getting super like overpowered in an upcoming episode. But like you said, Eric, well, I mean, we're about to see, I suppose. Yeah. Well, like I said, my, my memory of the Dai Li was like a lot of eye rolling at, at like when the, the, the plot needs them to be frustratingly powerful. They are, mm-hmm. that was sort of my memory of the Dai Li. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm just not a huge fan of them partially because they have the their entire, the entire organization is fronted by Long Feng, who is not that interesting of a character. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, what, can can anyone explain to me what Long Fang's motivations are? Like, why is he doing what he's doing? He's just he's he's evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's evil. I I mean, 
I don't know. He he's the he is the puppet government. I mean, he basically and is. See, I really the like the concept of the Daily of like the the puppet government, the secret police, and all of that. And I thought they were pretty threatening in the previous episodes, but then in this one, it's just like, I think Eric is right. Again, I haven't seen the last two episodes, but uh, they seem to be as strong or as weak as the plot necessitates, and they just were a bunch of clowns in this one. Well, I think it's um. I mean, I'm sure you guys are right. Uh, I, it's not like I love the Dai Li. I don't need to jump to their defense as much as I am. But I, I think it's sort of typified by the moment when, when Long Feng is actually arrested. So when the, when the kids convince the king to go out and see the drill that uh, penetrated the outer wall. And he finally is convinced of what's actually going on, of the truth of the, the Hundred Year War and all that. Um, and he, so he orders Long Feng to be arrested and the two Dai Li agents that are with Long Feng, you get a moment where they, they just look at each other. Um, and then, and then they arrest Long Feng and there's that, I mean, there's only two of them because they are not the Royal Guard. They are Long Feng's men. They can't, they don't walk around like an army. They are private police or whatever. Um, so, you know, they can't attack the King or anything like that. So, they play the role that they have to play now that they're out in the public. They're, they're in broad daylight. They have to pretend to be taking the King's orders. I, I don't know. That's how I, you know, as much as I've thought about it, that's how much I, or that's how I rationalize the fact that they're not particularly threatening in this episode. But That's fair. That's fair. They suck, but that's fair. That's fair too. <laughs> but let's, okay. So let's move on from the daily. Let's, uh, this, uh, this episode was interesting. This chapter was interesting because it's one of the few, possibly only episode. It, it is the only episode I can think of that opens with a battle. Um, I mean, not the opening scene, but like the, the big action sequence is at the beginning of the episode. And I fucking love it. I, it was great. It was really great. There was a lot of really cool, uh, earth bending, uh, especially uh, there's like one point where, uh, these pieces of earth get uh, like lifted up and then knocked over like dominoes. Yes. Um, and they they scale the side of the temple with like a a, a they're on like on a, on a platform of earth. It was after, a really t- cool. After Toph makes the stairs disappear, so the entire royal guard just slides past him. Yeah, it was Aang, really cool. And casually backhands the boulder that's flying at them in the air. I mean, that's. And and uh, Katara had that amazing moment where she like she does this badass spinning leap and water whips everybody into the thing and then tuck does a tuck and roll and she comes up with the water around her arm. That's fucking awesome. Every yeah. single moment of that. Uh, and then Sokka, once they're inside, tries to he does this epic like <laughs> flying kick toward the door. Yeah. And it doesn't work at all. Yeah. That is actually preceded by one of the best moments, comedy moments in the series, which is um, Sokka opening doors while people get thrown around behind him. Yeah, there's just dust yeah. and rock and people flying around behind as, him. As he's trying to find the Earth King, it's just like sh- shot after shot of him opening a door as people get flung around behind him as Toph beats the crap out of everyone. That was a that was a uh, top level comic comic moment there. <laughs> um, all right, so we finally we finally get to see that we, we we finally meet the King, the Earth King. What a nerd. And he is, yes. I I like it because um, we've seen so many, 
uh, we may debate how interesting, but we've seen so many like interesting or bizarre or threatening or unique uh, characters since we've come to the city of Bossing Say, and you just expect I don't know you expect the Earth King. We've only seen him in in silhouette uh, once before. Uh, you just expect him to be I don't know a presence, um, but he's just a nerd. I mean, he's a plain vanilla white guy uh, who's even got just a plain bear, not a skunk bear, not a platypus bear, just a bear. It's just a guy Bosco. with a bear. Bosco, yes. Uh, you know, I, I like the Earth King. I like the idea of him being coddled by the Dai Li, of him never having left the palace, of him being lied to, the truth of the war being kept from him. I I like that. I I, I like the concept of that. I like his glasses. Yeah, <laughs> they're pretty great. I mean, I'm, they're 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 pretty fantastic little glasses. Yeah, they're his most I, interesting character trait. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that that in Bosco, but yeah. Um. Uh, well, let's talk about the B plot. Let's talk about uh, Zuko. Uh, he got so close to being a good guy in the last episode that he actually gets sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really. I at first I thought maybe he had been, I, I like poisoned, poisoned or something. Yeah. There's something more nefarious going on. But I like that it's just he's so torn up internally that he like it manifests as like an actual like grave illness. Um, and he has those crazy dreams where, uh, you know, Azula is like. Azula and Iroh are two dragons. They're like the the dragons on his shoulder. Yeah, the angels on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I've loved all of the Zuko Iroh stuff this season, and I mean, this was this continued that. It al- it also gave us the great a great little speech from uh, uh, from Iroh about uh, this being a metamorphosis and. Yeah, you are going through a metamorphosis, my nephew. It will be painful, but when you come through it, you will be the beautiful prince you were always meant to be. Yeah. And how I love like the like you know you get sick of the false waking up moments in in dream sequences usually, but I do love him going in and like seeing his face with like Avatar, mm-hmm. like Airbender tattoos before waking up for real. That mm-hmm. that was that was pretty great. Pretty uh, especially paid off because after he he wakes up, he like touches his scar and. I mean, you can just tell he's like, "Oh, I've still got the scar." Yeah, um, it, it, it's a. I, I really like it because it 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 they give a lot of weight to what Zuko's going through. It's not just a standard like, "Will Zuko do good things or not?" kind of plot. Like, there's a really like very specific kind of thing going on between him and Iroh right now, and I like that. Like, I like that it's not easy for Zuko to change because it's not just. Oh, Zuko's bad and he's seeing that he has to be good. Zuko has a lifetime of believing that what his family does is important and and really desiring his family's um, approval on things and believing that's what he is as a person and that's where he's meant to be. And I like that they really let the fact that Zuko has that background weigh him a lot. And it's not just some kind of simple good and evil thing with him. It's it's really a, a pull between who he was and who he could be. And it's they do a good job with that in this episode. Yeah, there wasn't much more. There's that's that's basically the B plot. So I guess yeah. that just brings us to the end of the main plot, which is uh, they they we finally have the Earth King on our side. They convince him to uh, to offer military aid, um, and then we get the 
traditional splitting of the party. <laughs> yeah. So Aang gets the letter from uh, Guru Patik, who says he can teach Aang to control the Avatar state. Uh, Toph gets the letter that we find out is, and that I knew was a lie, that her mom was in the city and seemed <laughs> like she understood her. And instead she gets captured by the boulder and whatever the fuck that other guy's name was. Oh, it's, it's uh, Zin Fu and Master Yu, which sounds like a great buddy cop. <laughs> it does, it does. It's like a Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Katara and Sokka get the letter about... Uh, you know, a f- small fleet of water tribe ships are at Chameleon Bay, and they're it's being led by their dad. And I love who that we moment. saw in the li- who we saw in the previous ep- or in Appa's episode in the Appa's Lost Days. He flew over yeah. the fleet, and we actually saw Hakoda, oh, who's their yeah. father. Oh, and hey, so, so did I. A quick note on that, though, uh, in Appa's Lost Days. Iroh sees Appa fly over mm-hmm. and does not tell Zuko. Yes, because he because he knew that Zuko would then, you know, go back to trying to chase down the Avatar. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then, I, but I love the moment where Katara, because uh, Sokka just assumes that he's going to to stay behind and help uh, the Earth Kingdom prepare. Uh, but then I love that Katara give Sokka the chance to go see their dad. And he has like, you are the nicest sister ever. Mm-hmm. All of that. And then immediately after that, um, Katara and uh, Aang are about to, you know, kiss or whatever. And Sokka, I, 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 I'm sorry that I, again, Azula and I are kindred spirits. In my, <laughs> so in my notes, I wrote uh, a real uh, sock blocker. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I would, Whatever it is you write in your notes, AJ, I beg you never, never to speak them again. The rest of the show, just burn it. Burn uh, we notes. we have written a book together, and we're going to write another one. And this is the kind of material we have to work with. Yeah, this is this is the editor in chief yeah. right here. I think you guys are really fortunate to have me in charge. <laughs> really fortunate. Um, you couldn't ask for anyone better. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I have amended my earlier positions. So in the episode, I, th- I think it was earlier this season, where like the the lights go out and I I, I was convinced that they kissed, uh-huh. and uh, you guys were telling me no no you wrong you moron. Um, I I now based on their interaction in this episode, I do not think Katara and Aang kissed uh, in that episode. Yeah, congratulations! You've seen the light. Thank you. Welcome, welcome back to sanity. <laughs> they did all kinds of other things when the lights went out, but they didn't. Oh, Whoa. Jesus Christ. Whoa. Whoa. Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry. All right. I get shit sock blocker <laughs> and insinuate that I don't, I don't even want to think about what he's insinuating. Well, it's a children's television program. Let's stop insinuating and let's talk about the big mic drop at the end of the episode. Oh, the, the Azula stuff? Yeah. 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 So Sokka, who's he's the plan guy, he's the smart guy on the team. He, um, I mean, it's not his fault, but he basically handed Azula and her her buddies a free pass to walk in to do what the Fire Nation has never successfully done to infiltrate the Earth Kingdom capital uh, by saying that, oh yeah, the Kyoshi Warriors, you can absolutely trust them. Yeah, that was. That was a smart thing to say, generally. Yeah, I mean, um, he's not—he's not wrong, but yeah. But, but yeah, that was—that was a little bit of a mistake. 
A um, little, little bit of poor, um, poor foresight on that. Although it does, I will say that I was glad to see it pay off the otherwise confusing ending to Appa's Lost Days, with or at least Suki and the Kyoshi Warriors confusing ending. Just like cuts yeah. out mid battle. Yeah, and it was like, well, what the hell was going on there? So I did like that this paid that off. And that was a, as I said, that was a very deftly written episode mm-hmm. in setting things up, including in that. But, of course, we still I mean, don't I, know. We don't know what happened in that fight. We just know that here. Here they are wearing the Kyoshi Warriors clothes. I want to know what happened to Suki. God damn it! In, fa- um, in fact, uh, uh, Azula is actually is wearing Suki's headdress, not just yeah. not just a uh, you know plain old I Kyoshi noticed. Warrior clothing. So yeah, uh, I think the biggest mistake Sokka makes is he actually says the line, "Everything is going to work out perfectly from now on and forever." <laughs> Sokka, buddy, you never say shit like that. That's asking for, you know, uh, the the, the evil villain of the the season to show up and you're wearing your girlfriend's clothes. Yeah, that is that is obviously what what karma tends to do to you yeah. when you do that kind well, of thing. Well, he he was positive attitude guy this episode and he overplayed his hand. So, I think the lesson of this episode is to never uh, do not allow optimism into your life. Exactly. That's what I take away from the series, really. Yeah, it's basically it reminds me of Tarkovsky's nostalgia. Oh, for God's sake, you're <laughs> a monster. <laughs> okay, so um, anything else? Have we have we missed anything about these? Um, I just think that these are three really great episodes. I wasn't as into uh, the the last one as I was the first two, but that's only because the first two, I think, are two of the best episodes this series has had so far. I agree, and I, I do think the Earth King is actually a um, relatively weak episode of uh, based on the strong episodes. Like, it, it, if you put it up against some of the weaker episodes earlier this season, it wouldn't feel weak. But there's a lot of things about this episode that aren't great. I mean, like it's sort of a lot of water treading to get the Earth King to see what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and so it just feels like a lot of like pieces moving, kind of stuff, uh, as opposed to. Um, a lot of really essential things like Lake Lao Guy. So it's not a bad episode, but it's it's a little bit of a weaker episode, I think. Uh, I agree with that. It is a it is a moving the pieces episode. I yeah. mean, we we get the resolution, we we get the king, um, but uh, kind of the episode exists to split the team up and send them in, <laughs> in separate directions. So, yeah. but we'll always have the storming the palace sequence. So. Yes, yes, it was definitely a very good first couple of minutes before um, before middling out for a while. <laughs> and uh, we have we totally forgot. I didn't have I don't have this written down, so I'm not going to get the quote right. But at the very beginning of the episode, when Sokka was being all positive attitude guy, um, we got um, and Katara was trying to be reasonable and talk him out of it. And um, we got Toph saying, I agree with sweetness here. I, I've seen way too much of Bossing say I can't even see. <laughs> Yeah, I just love yes. that she called her sweetness. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm. This is actually why I feel like I'm being a little quiet on this episode, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I, I have a hard time discussing this ending arc without discussing the actual last two episodes. Yeah. Of this, so I, I, we may loop back to some of this stuff in, in the next two episodes. We'll see. I'm not sure what I want to talk about then, but. It's definitely. I'm definitely feeling a little, a little tied up by the fact that we are very close to um, some of the biggest plot moves of the show. Yeah, so. and uh, you had mentioned that last week that uh, your love for the end of this season, and I 
couldn't remember. I said at the time I couldn't quite remember what what happens at the end of this uh, at this book. I do now. I remember it's come back to me, and and uh, I agree. I share your excitement, Eric. Yeah, yeah, we have some good stuff coming up. So I, I look forward to, to our talk next week. Yeah. So um, so that's it for for this week. Um, thanks everybody for joining us. As always, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on our website, theavatarreturns.com. Links will also be posted on our parent show site, gobbledygeekpodcast.com. Or you can just subscribe to the show on iTunes, and every episode will be hand-delivered to you personally by our flying email lemur. Feed the lemur by dropping us an email at tarpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always find us on social media. Like us on Facebook for all of our updates, or follow us on Twitter. The show is twitter.com slash tarpodcast. And on Twitter, I am at haunt1013 eric is at salon that's s-a-a-l-o-n and aj is at unplugged crazy uh next week uh that's it the end of book two with uh episodes 219 and 220 the guru and the crossroads of destiny uh until then remember it's time for you to look inward and begin asking yourself the big questions who are you and what do you want Sick of police, all over the place They don't fall for the council rates Shady men, shady mats Going around and collecting the facts I don't want your secret police I don't want your spies I don't want your private eye I don't need your lies Spies all over playing spying games Spies all over always changing their names all over in the pouring rain They must be stupid to play that game I don't want your secret police I don't need your spies I don't want your private eye I don't need your lies Secret agents always dress at night